that's uh, Peaches and Cream by Snoop Dogg. He's oh. making a bit of a comeback, I see, which is great. I'm delighted, although he says that this is his last album. Uh, but has he not said that before? I don't know that he specifically has ever said that before. Okay, all right. We should, before we get into Snoop, we should just welcome the people. Well, you know what? It is a Thursday <laughs> afternoon, just a little bit after one. So another edition of Between Two Femmes. I'm Mabali Moloye. And I'm Aspasia Karis. And welcome to it. It's been a busy week. Oh. Busy week for you. You came in here. You're looking lovely as ever, but oh. you said you're exhausted because Thank you've you. been... It's fashion week. It's... Oh uh, again. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> now tell me, do you go to the entire week's events every night or do you just kind of pick the big nights and... I mean, I think ideally... The idea is that, you know, if you do my sort of job, you should go to all the shows. Okay. To keep an open mind. You are the editor of Marie Claire's so magazine. I have to go and see all. them. I have to go and see them. You, it's my job. You have to be on your A game. Um, I'm very excited uh, for our guest this afternoon. The lovely Lindy Wesatel is joining us. I'm Terribly so excited. Exciting. Yeah, so we're going to catch up with her with what she's been doing. I had a look at some of the stuff that she has accomplished in her young life, and it is amazing all the things that she has done. And she's so talented as well. So she's I can't so wait. She's stylish, more importantly. Well, you know, for me. she can do very little wrong. She's stylish. She's beautiful. She's talented. She's an educated, intelligent woman. So I can't wait to catch up with Lindy Wesatel. But before we do that, we need to get straight into the woman's news. Um, okay, let me, let me start with, <laughs> let me start with the first ever sexuality conference that is going to be held in South Africa. How oh, very, very se- sexual. <laughs> <laughs> in recent times, sexuality has been identified and strongly focused upon as experts strive to understand the underlying causes of a range of illnesses, relationship difficulties, social disorders. So this is exactly the kind of stuff that we can so expect. They're medicalizing the condition of sexuality. Yes, they people. are. <laughs> you know, they're going to bring in a whole bunch of experts from all over the world, Aspasia. And some of the things or the issues that they're going to be dealing with, for example, is um, why it's so difficult for women to orgasm. Is it? Why, <laughs> why women enjoy the benefits of multiple orgasms, whereas men don't. You know, they're going to be... Covering that so whole is that thing. The, 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 they're going to try and cure that for men. Well, is that what? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I don't know what these experts are going to try and cure. But when they, is when is this taking place? This is happening in May, and it's going to be in Johannesburg, Durban, and Cape Town. Um, it kicks off at Wits University on the 9th of May. Then they move to Durban uh, at Sibaya Casino on the 13th of May, and then in Cape Town, Grand West Casino on the 16th and 17th. So if you want to find out what the sexuality conference is all about, <laughs> I suppose you could log online and try and get yourself the, a it, ticket. It differs from Sexpo, I presume, where you just get to see dildos and things. Yeah, no, I think it's more... Um, it's more intelligent than Sexpo. You know, they bring in actual actual experts in the form of doctors and researchers and scientists and that kind of thing. And I think they're going to be tackling the issue of sexuality from a much more intelligent um, angle. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Um, the French this week have been legislating or they're debating legislating um, the, the, the weight of models. Um, I'm trying to see here. I'm actually Googling. But essentially what they're saying is that um, what they want to do is if people 
are employing designers, um, are employing models that are underweight. Mm-hmm. And the way de- they define underweight is if you are 170 tall, I just Googled this, um, and you weigh less than 54 kilograms. Okay, right. Uh, and they're saying that you are underweight. So that will be quite interesting because what happens if you're um, a very sort of light-boned person? Or I, d- I don't know how they determine this. But anyway, that is the BMI. But what they're suggesting is that because models are skinny, and specifically in France they really are, they do like them quite thin. Right. They are suggesting that people um, create, it creates expectations amongst young women. Mm-hmm. And as a result, anorexia prevails. In France, they've got thirty to 40,000 people who suffer from it. So maybe French women don't get fat because they're anorexic. Well, I mean, I hope that, well, I hope that what the French want to do is they want to, um, I mean, they're even threatening prison time. Oh, for six months, six months or $83,000 if they, if they're violating it. Yeah. This is now the people who are booking the models. So this, this would be your, what, your fashion designers, your, your model agencies. Yeah. They're not, they'll no longer. We should have a, a debate on this because, I mean, when you look at, um, Apparently, take for example, it says Kate Moss had a body mass index of about 15 to 16. They're trying to raise this at the height of her career to 18 or 18.5. So I think it's created some interesting arguments because Giselle Bunchen is reported to have a body mass index of 16 or 17. But it doesn't actually mean that somebody who ha- who looks like that has a, a an eating disorder. Well, this I is, was answering this this week, yeah. No, this is the thing: is um, a lot of the time with models, for them, it's it's a gene- there's a genetic element there. They're not necessarily starving themselves. They're not necessarily that is what they look like. Unhealthy. Somebody it's wrote me a letter um, into the magazine saying, "How could I have this advert? It was an advert featuring the model Ayak Deng." Mm-hmm. In the magazine because for exactly these reasons that, you know, young women pick up the magazines and then they think that this is normal. But I answered, this is normal for Ayak Deng. That is what she looks like. Mm-hmm. She is from South Sudan. Mm-hmm. A lot of women in South Sudan actually look like that. Um, and I've met her in the flesh because we shot with her and she's a top model. She's amazing. And but that is what she looks like. She is like an incredibly tall giraffe who is <laughs> peculiarly framed like that. Right. And that is why she's a model. And who's very light, obviously. I think it's also important for us not to blame industries entirely here in these kinds of situations. You know, as normal women, we also need to be sensible enough to say, but I'm obviously not going to look like a Kate Moss. My genetics don't allow for that. I've got, you know, I've got a butt, I've got hips. You know, like you also need to be sensible in this regard and stop trying to achieve something that is not achievable for you. Look, I mean, we were having this and this is, we really must have this debate on another show. No, we must. Um, I do think that the media does create images of women and what is an ideal woman and what is beautiful. There is no doubt. And, and 
but that's why we need to debate it. Absolutely. Um, that women should be aware of it. Well, here's another thing that uh, women are apparently dealing with, uh, which is, which has become problematic in the UK. Um, how copying TV chefs can put weight on you. Women who copy recipes are on average two dress sizes bigger than those who don't. We're, look, we're looking at the Jamie Olivers and the Nigella Lawsons yeah, here. She's always <laughs> dipping her finger into everything and tasting it and in a suggestive fashion. Oh she's, she basically <laughs> makes love to her food. It's just, it's, it's amazing. But the research shows that women who make these dishes, um, are fatter, heavier than the women who don't. Well, how many of these dishes are they making per week? That's maybe the question. Yeah. And also, <laughs> I think a lot of, a lot of us, um, assume that everything that we see chefs preparing and cooking is healthy and that's not necessarily the case. I mean, some of these dishes are decadent and, you know, rich and full of all, all, the, Ooh, all, all the things the stuff that we just ordered from outside. <laughs> exactly. Cheesecake. We're going to have cheesecake in a minute. Um, but let's wrap it up there with the, with the women's news because I'm very, very excited to get Lindy Wasatol to come in and join us in just a moment. It's J. Cole on cliffcentral.com with apparently love the song right now. Love J. Cole. Love, love, we love. both do. Uh, but for now, though, this afternoon, we do have singer, songwriter, Lindy Wesato. Although, having, ha- having looked at your CV earlier, I'd, I feel like I should give you more titles to that because you've done <laughs> so many things in your life already, in your career. Thank you, first of all, for having me. Yes, Lindy, well, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. It's so funny that you say that because there's a quote that I love by T.D. Jakes, Bishop T.D. Jakes, and he says, don't let people put a period or a full stop where God has put a comma, meaning there's some people that can do one thing really well, and there's some people that can do many things, and yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, so... I, I first met Lindy Ware, and I have to say this, this was like we, we used to shop at the same vintage <laughs> store <laughs> in Cape Town. Okay. And every time I wanted something, then um, I'd have to, to, I'd get the story, no, 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 Lindy Ware has already booked that. Oh. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I don't understand. I don't understand. Who is this Lindiwe who has booked it? <laughs> and then, um, you know, obviously I had an inkling of you, but it was really very traumatic for me. So I just want to say that our, our relationship started off in a troubled way, yes. <laughs> because we were competing for the same frock. Have you since patched things up? We you have too? managed to. We have. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I just admire Aspasia's style from afar. Right. And, yeah. Good Lord. Well, Number I pipes. admire her style from close because <laughs> I was like wanting to yank those things away from like the Lindue shelf. <laughs> well, and, and, and Lindue, this is the thing is, you know, Aspasia's talking about the style element to you right now, but you know, you've, you've done TV, you've done production, you're, you're, you're a singer songwriter, you've, you've done the fashion thing. Does does it all just come naturally to you or do you just kind of think, I feel like doing this right now, let me try it and I'm going to be great at it. How does it all work that you manage to do so many things and do them so well? Uh, I think I'm just someone that needs to stay busy. I really like finding new projects. Um, my main, I think my main challenge in life is sticking with what I'm doing and, and then not doing something mm-hmm. and then 
two days later saying, oh, but then I can do this. So that is still my main challenge is to follow mm-hmm. something through to the end. But I just enjoy learning different things and meeting different people, collaborating. And I guess in a way it's just testing yourself, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and seeing, you know, what you enjoy doing. I mean, right now we're, I, I'm, I'm away from fashion. I'm a hundred percent focused on singing and songwriting, but we're producing shows, uh, with Scutty, what you wearing. It's a blog, a fashion blog. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. And we've just, Scotty. Yes. <laughs> and we've just interviewed actually Espacio. Um, and it's called Scotty icons. And really it's just highlighting, you know, everyone says that style is superficial and fashion superficial. It's really just about getting a little bit more to understand the people behind the style and that have shaped the industry and asking, you know, more questions than, you know, what was your favorite collection and what inspired she, she you? She did ask me some very, very tough questions. So but, we're going to return the favor. You know, we have our <laughs> two minute tough question questionnaire. Oh, yes, right at the end. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but I just style is fun, you know, it's yeah. just something, it shouldn't be taken so serious and, yeah, it's just about expressing your personality in a fun way. That's what, that's what I've enjoyed doing. But she it. asked me how I would like to be remembered. Oh, that's well, just that's, appalling. Uh, well, that's, uh, that's, that's like seeing my tombstone right there. I was no. like, yeah. And then I was like, hmm, well, I I'd guess, like to be remembered as having yeah. had fun with it. Because <laughs> what else can you say? <laughs> I mean, I suppose a question like that forces you to think about how you're living your life right now yeah, and what, yeah. you know, 50 years from now, what you will have left behind. And how, yes, let me ask, let me turn the tables on you. How would you like to be remembered? Yes. I would like to be remembered as someone that has been very caring to people. Um, there's still a lot of things that I need to work on with myself internally. So someone that's tried to get better and be a better person. And um, I love kids. So someone that's given back to kids, that's, yeah, my passion too. Uh, you know that what? That's actually difficult. It is. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's difficult. It's, it's, it's not that easy. But you know what? Before we get ahead of ourselves, ladies, uh, let's go back to the beginning because the beginning is a good place to start. Um, Isn't there a song? Like yes. That? Um, in, in, in terms of you growing up, were you kind of living all over the place, different countries, moving around, or were you settled in one, one place? So what, no, what was, was your childhood like? I was actually born and raised in America. I yeah. grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. My mom left to, for Nelson Mandela's calling for all South Africans to come back to help rebuild the country in 92. And my dad pretty much raised me and my sister during that time when she was doing the Felicia show. Mm. So for me, that was, yeah, I guess I was at an age of like rebellion, you know, so my poor dad had to keep up with that. Right. Then I went to university and uh, studied business because I had no idea what else to study. It was just like the safe thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, I was stupid enough to ask my parents, what do you think I should study? They're like, business, do it. Uh it." And you graduated with an MBA, right? Yeah, but that was after I, I, I got my undergrad in international business and then I went to New York and I was working uh, near the trade towers at the time for DKNY and then my life changed. I mean, the towers fell, my life completely changed. I was very scared and I had no family living in New York. So I went back to Atlanta and that's when I was bored again. And I said, what do I do with my life? My parents said, get your MBA. Why not? You know, <laughs> while you're thinking. So that's actually how it came about. And then I just stayed close to the fashion industry and worked in it in a while and I left it in 2006 and I came to South Africa in 2005 after working with 
celebrities mm. on film and getting sick of ego. And, and, you, and you know what? I, I mean, what did you do with those celebrities? Which, um, which I did, celebrities? Yeah, I worked. Not um, that we'll extrapolate that they have a giant ego <laughs> when you tell us. No, I was working in film, and it's just you surround yourself with. It can be a lot, a lot of egos, and mm. I think style is such a personal thing that. Everybody believes I have style. If you're a makeup or hair artist, people think that is a an art, you know, and they don't yeah. believe that styling someone is an art. So I just kind of got sick of dealing and with the yet, ego and, and yet, trying to convince when you someone see that those this looks dreadful good. outfits that they like sort of sometimes, <laughs> you know, yeah. the ones that feature on the fug girls, <laughs> the fuggy outfits. You're like, really? You oh. really should not be doing this for yourself. Or the ones that used to feature on Fashion Police. I don't even yeah. know if that show is still going. No, that show is gone. Is that it, show is it appears now? to be like oh, on hold. Yeah. On yeah. hold. Well, Which I think it's great because... You I think it's great that the Fashion Police is on hold? It's on hold. I do. Oh. Because I don't... The whole thing with the... What is it? Zanaya? Yeah, Zendaya. Zendaya, yeah. I just think it can go to a point where it's... I don't know. Fashion is not so important. It's important uh, for as an industry, yes, and it creates jobs, but we shouldn't take it so serious, you know? And I just think some of the things that were said were a bit too offensive. Was yeah, it, I to thought it was very offensive. Okay. We discussed in Dyer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's just, you know, for, for anybody who doesn't know, let's just remind them what happened here is Juliana Rancic of Fashion Police made a comment about... The, after that, I called her Juliana Rancid. Oh, right. Maybe I need to be on the... <laughs> fashion, uh, the police. fashion police uh, made a comment about Zendaya's hair. Uh, there, it was dreadlocks at the time. I don't know if and she's she changed looked, it she recently. She looked the best Completely on the, right. astounding the yeah. on the red carpet. Right. So she says that she looks like she smells of patchouli oil or weed, which you know Kelly Osbourne was very vocal about that she wasn't. She wasn't happy about that. So yeah. Well, so you initially they suggested that Kelly Osbourne had said the weed comment mm. off air. Like you couldn't see mm. who had said the comment. Okay. But, um, and, and then she stood up. Kelly then she said, stood up I think and she, she left said, the show. Mm, huh? She did. She did. She did. It's great. Okay. Um, so for you, you're saying fashion is more fun than serious. And sometimes these people really take it to an extremely serious level. Yeah. You know, um, my man is, uh, always tells me a comment that Carl Lagerfeld said, and he said, fashion is like air. We're selling air. So, I like that. <laughs> um, Sometimes it's very expensive air. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe a case of the emperor's new clothes. While Quite you oft. were while you were in the fashion industry and, you know, doing the styling and, and all that Elvis stuff that you did, I mean, did, did you always know that you wanted to go into singing songwriting was that a hundred percent yeah. i think deep down i was just afraid and i never i mean growing up if you think about it i was growing up in a time where the black middle class was kind of coming up in america so my parents their idea of how to be um successful and to have a something to fall back on was to go into business and you know you work your way up through the corporate ladder that was their idea so mm -hmm. being an artist never even crossed my mind but I was that child that for me I always say Whitney Houston was my vocal coach because I would sing Whitney Houston songs over and over and over and dance to Michael Jackson and do his moves so I think deep down it was always there um, what kind of broke it for me was I was living in Hamburg after I quit my fashion job in 2006 in South Africa and 
I just had this an idiot boyfriend, and I was listening to Adele's um, album, her first album, Nineteen, mm. and I was thinking, wow, is she like singing about this idiot? And then I started writing lyrics, and somehow just decided, let me try to find a music mm-hmm. producer. And I got in and I started doing my first demos uh, in, in Hamburg. And then I came back and that's kind of how I got into into music. Do you, do you think that it was harder? Why were you living in Hamburg? <laughs> I, yeah, I moved with the, with the, the idiot idiots boyfriend. that had a, uh, a modeling contract at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, well, you want to go with the models. Yes. <laughs> always never a good move. Um, <laughs> what was his BMI? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, we just, uh, we've been discussing the French concerns regarding BMI and they've said, you know, everyone must have a BMI of 18. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, was his good? <laughs> I think they're just, uh, it's yeah. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous. They're question. just trying Don't to, to crack down on underweight models. But, um, yes. So did your parents then try to talk you out of following your path and your interests because you did say that it was such a yeah, business they were like, what are you minded family. Yeah, they're like, What are you thinking? You have an MBA. That's like I think they were probably d- mm. discussing, you know, when they went to bed, like, what is she thinking? And then, you know, my parents it's really funny because they didn't want me to get into the arts, but that's in a way what they've preached. My dad is a motivational speaker and an author, and he's always preached this thing of going for your dreams and doing what you want. So in the end, they really saw that I wasn't giving up on this dream, and then they had to just, in a way, support it. And yeah, and they're like my number one fans now. It's great. And you're doing well. I mean... Um well, I mean, what's well? You know well, what I mean? Well is well to because be honest, it appears that you've won several competitions. Yeah. So that is already like a sort of, I don't know, it's a good benchmark, I suppose. It is, I mean, it is, it's, it is an honor, but to be honest, I just feel so grateful that I'm able to make music, you know, and actually continue mm. to make music. I've just realized that, you know, what you, what you hear on the radio, what you see, the Grammy Awards and the artists that I love, you don't hear on the radio. I mean, I love country music, so you don't yes. hear Gillian Welsh or Emmy Lou Harris on the radio unless you're well, listening to a country station. And yes. I just think that I just it does doesn't really mean anything, you know. I mean, it's great and all, but I think just to be able to make the music, and I'm so happy that I met my partner because he helped me get a little bit more grounded with mm-hmm. that because I was in this phase when I started here in South Africa of just this like pop phase of just mm-hmm. what to wear and not, you know, thinking about what to wear first before what I'm actually singing. And it doesn't make any sense. I'm not a pop star. I don't want to be a pop star. I want to make good music. So my shift in my focus has become completely different. I've started reading a lot more books too. So lyrically, I think I've gotten a lot better. So it's, it's inspiring and I'm, I just, I feel grateful. I get the sense that for you, the music is more of a, like there's more of a spiritual connection to it as opposed to you wanting to, you know, blow up and be the next biggest sensation and to have millions of downloads on YouTube and iTunes. Yes, I've had to let go of that because it's just, it's just ego. Do you know what I mean? It's really just ego. It is amazing, Mm. but there are so many people, like we were watching the Whitney Houston story that Mm. Angela Bassett did. And you just become like the victim in, in a way. You're no longer the hero. You're a victim, you know? I mean, I don't really know if I want that. Mm. Well, I suppose you're no longer controlling your own path of creation. No. You become a, a, 
a couple object, of, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. In a sort of bigger series of events, yeah, money-making events, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, yeah, I've gotten real with myself on that. And how would you describe your music? Because again, you know, everybody needs to be put into a box. You know, either your hip hop or your pop or your this or your that. How would you describe your your music? Um, I wouldn't. Oh, it's, it's so I know it's so hard. There, there is <laughs> there is that stupid box. But the thing is, I don't fit in that box because I'm influenced by a lot of things. Like we did uh, about fourteen different demos. Half the demos were inspired by country music, mm. and the other half were more alternative rock. So. I don't really know. And we've chosen for the EP to go more on the rock, on the rock mm-hmm. way because I'm, I, I think my personality is, still has that aggression. And I always say, and my knees are still pretty good. So I want to like <laughs> express that aggression and that, that power on stage instead of sitting there, you know, with a guitar and just kind of singing a song. Although I love my country music. <laughs> I grew up in the South. So yeah, there's, a, there's a connection there. It kind of makes sense. When you look at the stuff that's happening, I mean, just picking up on the South. Um, Ferguson and how, how do you feel? I mean, was there palpable racism where you grew Absolutely. up? Absolutely. Absolutely. To this day, I'm still scared. I mean, my father drives home in Atlanta on the, on the road and it has such fear of just getting pulled over by cops because you never know if you're going to be shot, arrested for just not putting your blinker yeah. on, changing a lane or something or just getting, I mean, my dad drives pretty slow, so, too, so <laughs> getting pulled over for driving too slow. But it is something that you feel. It is very real. It is scary. I'm so scared. I will. I don't think I pray that I never will go back to America to live because it's fearful. It's a policed country, and I feel very scared when I'm there. You know, it really is. And I think what's happening right now is that it's it's funny because people always used to say growing up, especially in the South, oh, slavery's dead. Get over it. You know, blacks are, you know, have money now. And what, um, it's like people say here about yeah, apartheid. Exactly. Get over apartheid. And I say, you know what? We're not getting over it. OK, we're not getting over it. You can never say that to a Jewish person. Get over the Holocaust. OK, so don't tell me to get over slavery and don't tell me to get over apartheid because it's real. Mm-hmm. It's still happening people are still being very racist and we have to talk about this this Mm -hmm. needs to be taught in schools in germany they're still teaching german kids to feel a sense of sympathy and shame for what their ancestors did and Mm. it's not happening here Mm. so then you will get that comment of get over it you know and i mean that comment is usually coming from somebody who never experienced it the way that you did because they're not black or they're not jewish or you know the attack wasn't against them so they have no way of understanding what it means when they say get over it. Yeah. But you did say that you don't want to go back to the States. So you're not living in the States anymore. No, I live six months in Berlin and six months in Cape Town, which is a great mix. Okay. It's yeah. kind of ideal. Yeah. It's yeah. Great. It's How did you manage that? I mean, <laughs> <I'm> man. <laughs> I have a very, yeah, I have a, I have a man that doesn't like the winter. So luckily <laughs> enough, neither do I. So we just avoid it. It's the best of both worlds. It really is. Berlin's a very inspiring city. There's so many artists and I think creatively and it's helped me stay grounded too because there's so many people i remember the first time i was there in in berlin you know i'm used to i was used to cape town i was wearing heels and you know dressing all chic and i was wondering why are people staring at me and these my girlfriend said they probably think you're a hooker because only hookers dress like so chic everyone in berlin wears like you know like combat boots and sneakers and you know jeans you know yeah (laughs) 
And uh, do you <laughs> have you picked up a any? very very high class? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> expensive. Yeah, just do you want that noted? <laughs> have you picked up any of the language? Um, yeah, the I, German. I get so frustrated sitting at dinner tables because, of course, you know it's their natural language. In Berlin, it's very hard because everyone speaks English to you. Yeah. Even if you try to go into a store, they're just like, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, what would you like? You know, yeah. <laughs> you're trying with your German. So I did study German for four weeks. I did individual. Actually, it's no, it was longer than that. It's about two to three months. I did uh, individual classes, mm-hmm. so ich spreche ein bisschen Deutsch, aber it's a very hard language, yeah. and it's hard to learn it in Ger- in mm. uh, Berlin because everyone just is like, oh, let's speak English. Yeah. <laughs> They're very accommodating from the sorts of things. <laughs> I mean, it's not like when you're in France when they look at you and like, mm. why don't you speak French? Yeah. <laughs> what are the five things that people must do to Berlin? If, uh, do um, <laughs> you know, apart from like sort of dress up in leather chaps and <laughs> go to a sex club. What? That, uh, sorry, no, clearly that's where my brain was. It's because Mabali started the whole tone of the show by introducing us to the sex. Okay, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm going to take conference. responsibility it's for that. Fault. Yeah, that's well, okay. that, if that is your your thing, then I would say go to Burkheim. I've never been there before, but that club is internationally known for those things but my <laughs> suggestions would be to hop on a bike immediately mm. and um and just explore the city because it's such a beautiful city um i would definitely say on sundays they have this really cool market it's like the hippie market where the mauer park uh the berlin wall was running through and it's when you think of a park you think of like mm. lush greens no it's really beat up and it's just like a bunch of hippies <laughs> hanging around but they have this really cool amphitheater that this guy from canada started and every sunday they do karaoke there <laughs> and you feel like you're in woodstock cuz there's like 3 to 4000 people that cheer people on it's really cool to, to experience and then there's like an open um I wouldn't say it's an antique market. It's more like a flea market that mm-hmm. happens there beside it too. What else? <laughs> uh, meet Berlin people, you know, yeah. just go into a cafe. That's what I say. It's so great to just go to a cafe and just start talking to people because they're so accommodating. They just bring you along. Do they? It's yeah. a very interesting city. I mean, because it's always been somewhere on the periphery Yeah, between like, it's never been fully, it's, always been a bit underground never fully in the west never fully in the east and so i think that like spirit remains absolutely Absolutely. you know it does it does but now here's my question when you think about identity because now you're living half here in half in berlin um you've you've lived in the states when you think about identity, because you're kind of the like, next step, you're this global being. But in a sense, uh, wh- what are your roots? Did you feel growing up that like South Africa was a big thing for you or is it complicated? Was it confusing? It is very complicated because I think... a Greek girl, I mean, I can is. constantly... I can answer these things. <laughs> okay. it's, it is very complicated very because question. I grew up in a white suburb in the south mm. of Georgia and I had a obviously South African mother and an American father. And because I grew up in the suburbs, I spoke like quite a, I guess they would say, a posh English, which mm. is really strange to me. They would say that uh, a lot of the black kids would say, "You, why are you speaking so proper? Mm-hmm. And then I wasn't, obviously, I'm black, you know, I'm <laughs> proud of it. And I wasn't white enough, obviously, for yeah. the white kids. So it was in this weird middle 
thing where people were saying, you're not black enough. And, you know, and I'm like, but my mom is from South Africa. Come yeah. on. How can I not be? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is half of my roots. And then coming here, it was a challenging thing, too, for me, I think, because people would say, but your name is Lindy. First of all, you're not even pronouncing it right. And secondly, why don't you speak an African language? Mm. And I said, well, I was born and raised in, in the States. I only came here 10 years ago. They said, yeah, well, it doesn't matter. You're still African. You need to speak your language. So I just said, I'm, a, I, I am American. As much as I'm South African, I'm American. I didn't grow up in South Africa. I never learned the language because it, my mom came to America during the time where she didn't think mm. apartheid was going to end. So mm. she didn't think of even coming back to the country. It wasn't even an option. So I guess she just thought, well, yeah, huh. I'm going to Americanize my kids just because we're here now. I mean, but she was very strict. She, tri- she raised me like a South African child would be raised it was do not talk back to your elders mm-hmm. while my other friends were talking back my mom would just pretty much slap me upside my head <laughs> if I ever thought of doing that she you know brought a lot of South African music into the house Mary Makeba and Huma Sikela I mean we heard a lot of a lot of South Africa she kept in the house just to make sure we remembered where we came from and your your connection with with your family I mean you were with your sister and your dad when your mom left but you know this is the thing is at some point in your life your mom left mm-hmm. and then you know you kind of live half of your year in in Germany and then the other half here so you how often do you see your sister I mean how how do you keep the connection with the family still tight and how often do you get to see your dad or your sister or, or your mom yeah, it's really sad. It's The distance is really horrible. I see my dad maybe twice a year, and I see my mom a lot more because she comes to South Africa, and she's, she loves to travel, so she will pop up into Berlin. And My sister and her husband and her baby live in New York, and they're going to move to Copenhagen very soon, which is very close to yeah, Berlin, which is great. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, to be honest, you know what holds us together? Skype. <laughs> Skype and FaceTime. Thank God FaceTime. for that. Because yeah. I love when you that. see somebody, it just makes all the difference. You can pick up the phone and you hear their voice, but when you see that person, you know, yeah. you know, when you're it's having true. a bad hair day or in your PJs and you just, it just, it's nice. It's uh, nice. My parents live in Greece. And so I just, I might be sitting in a coffee shop and bring, bring, it's FaceTime. Yeah. And then I just, you know, obviously I try and like sort of put in a, like the speakers yeah. so that we don't like, you know, yeah. loudly shout like Greeks across the, but it's incredibly <laughs> nice. And I feel like I'm having a spot of coffee with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. actually, it's great. That is like, just sublime and technology. And like, where are you? And you're like, Oh, let me show you. Um, in, in, you know, just getting back to the music a little bit. Um, because were you, were you in the States when you were essentially starting your music career? No, that happened in South Africa. That happened here at home. Yeah, okay. I came to South Africa and I was working in the retail industry as a buyer. And that lasted for a couple of years because I just couldn't take the, you know, I was, here, here, let me put it simple. I was hired because of my international experience in the fashion industry, but then the retailer that I was working for would say, no, we need to water it down. The customer doesn't, won't understand it. And I always said to the CEO, which I was a little too vocal, we are one of the biggest fashion retail companies. We dictate what the customer and how we move the customer forward. Yeah. It's not the customer. We show them the way of fashion. And that just never worked for me. <laughs> so I had to leave them. And then... um yeah, I just got bored and then I just started doing music. It's a, it's great. It's great. And it's funny because people always say, oh, but you're fashion. I said, I, I did that in like 2006. It seems like forever ago. Such a I long mean, time truly, ago. I, I actually 
never knew you in your fashion iteration, only your musical one. And and where we were in like sort of hot competition for vintage art, <laughs> just say. And you've toured, you've toured all over the world. I mean, you've you've toured in the U.S. and Europe here at home. Um, what are you doing now? What like what's keeping you busy these days? Are you still? We're working on new music. Yeah, my man is a singer, songwriter, composer, musician, and he is pretty much producing Marius. my albums. Müller Westenhagen. Yes. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, das ist sicher. Um, but he, we're producing uh, about six songs in New York. We're going to do an EP and take it from there. I mean, it's for me, it's very exciting because I'm performing with his musicians. And I remember they were in studio la- uh, last year or two years ago. Um, recording their album live and he said to me oh why don't you sing somebody to love with them and the guys were like okay da, 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 figure out the chords figure out the chords and then i sing like had the lyrics there singing with them in studio and i was flying it is so amazing to play with people mm-hmm. that are just you know top musicians it yeah. takes you I mean, it raises my bar. I mean, you know, right. it makes you like say, come on, you know, I have to sing better. And the emotion just came out. So it's very exciting that I'm going to be playing with some of those guys again in June. A lot of the people in the arts, whether it be um, movies or singing, uh, you know, they say that they, they need to be in a in a relationship with somebody in the same field, because then otherwise it, the, the person who's not there will just not understand it. They will not... Um, they won't get it. Would you Would you echo those sentiments that it's important for you to be... In a relationship with somebody who gets you, who gets yeah, you, and who absolutely. understands your creative process. Absolutely, he started out as my music mentor and just helped me, like I said, kind of get real with the with the industry, you know, and my expectations of um, doing music to become successful and to me on the charts is not a not how you do music. You do music for the art, and he taught me that art is a dictatorship. It's something you put out. You don't say like, oh, do you like this? Do you like it? Do you like Mm -hmm. it? It's something you put out. And he says always, sometimes they'll throw (laughs) roses and sometimes they'll throw stones. (laughs) But you just put it out there because it's a part of you. So this collaboration has been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It also sounds like that is actually very fundamental to your being. Yeah. He sounds like he's telling you what you were telling the CEO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two were made for each other. Um, okay. We must do our questionnaire. Yeah. Let's get through some of these questions, Lindy. We're going to give you about two minutes to this answer. This is our two minute hardest yeah. question questionnaire. <laughs> so there's a lot of I'm scientific thinking. research that went into these. Totally. And these are officially the hardest questions in the world. No, they're not. <laughs> but, um, go ahead. As for Sia. But we do start with the tricky one. What is your greatest fear? My greatest fear would be that I don't deal with um, the deep stuff in me. I'm starting therapy this this year, so I'm excited about that. And just deal with, yeah, becoming a better person. So that's my deepest fear is I don't want to get older and not have worked on myself. You're excited about it. See, most people would be very, I was so scared so and I didn't afraid. want to, yeah. but I realized I watched the Nick Cave um, documentary called, I mean, 20,000, what is it called? 20,000, I don't know. Nick, Nick, Bad Nick, seeds. 
20,000 bad teeth? No, <laughs> it's not called that. Nick Cave has a documentary, 20,000 something. I, I forgot it, but it, he's in therapy and a lot of it is about him being in therapy and how it's helped his 20,000 days on earth. 20,000 days yeah. on earth. Okay. I would advise anyone to watch that. It's even if you're not a music lover, it's amazing. And, um, Maurice has always preached to me that therapy is like, essential everyone must do therapy and i was very scared about it but now i'm very excited i think that documentary helped me lose the fear of that my mm. fear now is to not get better as a person in argentina people go for therapy yes on mass yes everyone goes to therapy there's nothing wrong with it you no, know? I mean, yeah. there is really yeah. like it's just considered strange if you don't have a therapist yes <laughs> <laughs> like what's wrong with you yeah. you don't have a therapist <laughs> okay what's in your handbag um, well, my man says my first love, my iPhone. <laughs> uh, my iPhone, I always carry a demo of the song, uh, Enough Set Us Free, uh, that I think you're going to play later. Yes, we are. Lip gloss and mints. <laughs> okay. I had my handbag here, yeah. <laughs> Those are the essentials. Um, if your house was burning down, what three things would you take apart from your family, obviously? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think about this all the time because I, <laughs> I have a vintage collection that I think I yes, need to keep yes, it in like a box. That vintage <laughs> collection. I, I think I should just keep them all. Forget hanging them. Keep it in a box so that I can just throw it out the window if, if all else fails. Your relationship was just improving, and now she mentions the vintage like that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, definitely. So I had this situation when I was in New York during September 11th because the firemen came in and said we're evacuating everything. Oh wow! Grab. Um, just he, they didn't say like you won't be able to get into your apartment in the next yeah. two to three months they just said grab what you need and come out so i would grab a sweater which was very important i grabbed a sweater and i would grab my id my wallet because oh. if i didn't have my id in my wallet i had to pretty much buy new clothes buy everything new that's the only way i was able to fly back to atlanta you don't think about these no. things no but you don't yeah, grab yeah. your id and grab like a passport actually the most and grab something warm. That is. we've heard. I mean, I've never thought that I should actually take, you know, my, my identification, but now that you've said it, I think that's the first thing that, that I would grab. Yeah. Hmm. Who do you admire and why? Oh, I admire a lot of people. I admire anyone that is being truthful with themselves and living a life of integrity. I think we're in a world right now where people are, so caught up in this Kardashian world <laughs> of like, you know, sitting on a yacht and that's just not real. You turn on the news and you see what's really real. So anyone who's living their life authentically and caring for other people is who I admire. Um, and what character trait um, do you despise in yourself? Oh, and in others. <laughs> Um, in myself, I would say anger, like just like not having patience. Do you, I mean, <laughs> just get like upset. <laughs> do you throw things around angry? Is that the kind of anger that you, that yes. you're you know, artists are crazy. Yes, I do. <laughs> I try not to throw anything that I have to replace and I can't replace. I try that, but yes. <laughs> and in other people, I despise people that aren't, um, that are selfish. Mm. Describe yourself in five words. Um, hmm. Hmm. There we go. That's going to be a, one of my questions now, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would say that I am a caring, um, 
This is so hard. I get them all in. <laughs> I'm a caring. She's caring. Yes, I'm very caring. She cares caring a lot. Yeah. No, um, a caring, a passionate, a ambitious, a funny, and caring is different than loving, I would say, in mm-hmm. a loving person, because I think caring and loving is different. Hmm. Ye old bucket list question. <laughs> what do you? Yeah. What is on that bucket list? With all the things that you've already achieved um, so early on in your life, what um, what do you still want to do? I mean, what what do you still want to, to do that you haven't done yet? I I want to do something with kids. I've always been someone that said if I could, I would adopt like ten kids and have like a village and raise them on this big compound, <laughs> bring them all from, from different parts of the world. So I feel about this. <laughs> does he know? <laughs> he does know, but he's, he's like, what about just one? <laughs> but I, I definitely want to do something with kids. Either if it's doing a school with kids, I just think it's so important to, to teach kids more than, I, I'm sorry, I have to go back to it than this Kardashian mentality. I don't want to pick on them, but it's just such a uh, mentality of just, superficial crap and there's so much more you mm-hmm. know and it doesn't teach us to to live life for the right values yes it's amazing to have like designer clothes and to be on a yacht that's amazing but really is it real if all that stuff goes what is that you're going to grab your yacht when you leave you know, <laughs> no, you you know when your house yacht. is burning yeah. down what are you going to do you're yeah. going to grab your family and you're going to grab things that are important to you so i want to do something with kids that's great how do you want to die if you had a say in it ah Oh, peacefully in my sleep, <laughs> listening to some country music and <laughs> <laughs> with lots of Ryan Adams, surrounded by your after, after just having a nice glass of red wine, or, surrounded know. by your ten kids on your great. compound, <laughs> and finally singing kumbaya. <laughs> Are you a feminist? Yes, I don't really, you know, there's so many definitions of, of what a feminist is, but I am someone that believes in supporting females. I believe that's the reason why I wrote the song Enough Set Us Free was because this whole situation, that's why I have to applaud you for doing the Blow the Whistle campaign for Marie Claire for the naked issue, because I really believe that we need to empower women. We need to we we can't be afraid to walk the streets you know i mean i think it's 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 sick and i'm a feminist in a way that i think we need to teach our young men to be respectful of life and of women so mm. yeah i don't know there's so many definitions of, of feminist no 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 feminist, this is good you know? this is good that's why it's the two-minute um, <laughs> hardest question questionnaire. <laughs> so and we don't have to justify it. No, <laughs> absolutely not. And I think I think that that's that's probably a good place to to end it and to wrap yeah. it up. Lindy Wesatel, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. Thank so you are, so you, much are you in the middle of your Cape Town leg of of being uh, of where you're staying, or are you gonna yes? Are you gonna hop on a plane in the next few days? Actually, and, no. In the next few days, in the next few minutes, I think the car is waiting outside. We're, okay. Oh my God, they're gonna miss wow. the plane, and we've been talking <laughs> existential no, questions. No. <laughs> Lindy, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you both, and thanks for what you're doing because this is a great platform. Absolutely. So. We'll be back with you again next week, as I and myself. So let's play out with the song that Lindy has been mentioning. It's called 
enough. enough set us free. And I wrote it because of the Nigerian girls that were kidnapped and that are still missing. We're going on almost a year. I think April 14th is the year anniversary. How quickly we forget. Of the Bring Back the Girls. Mm. And so many more have been abducted. Since. And we're still not doing anything. And it's really sad. And yeah, this was my way of doing something because I can't go to Nigeria and go fight Boko Haram myself. I just felt I had to as a, as an artist. Okay, and we something. thank you for your for your contribution, uh, Lindy Wesato on cliffcentral.com. Didn't think I'd ever speak out. Be brave enough to let it come out. Share my story, kill your glory. Silence. 